This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from August 22nd, entitled, How to Whoop the Devil. I've started to do a whole bunch of different things by asking youth to read our scripture. So this week was Addison Sheets. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand up, stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your your feet, put on whatever will make you ready for ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in the supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message will be able to, will be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am the ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. You may want to turn the pulpit back down. Yeah. <clears throat> so now that we did that, uh, I have a tendency to make this microphone freak out. So that's why we don't do that. I want to say thank you to our youth that I've been just kind of uh, guilting into reading our scripture. Uh, I, I About four or five weeks ago, uh, I, I just had this weird moment. I just, I, I needed a drink of water. So I said, Quentin, you're going to come up and read the scripture so that I could drink some water. It's really what happened. And then after that, my daughter says, you never asked me to read scripture. And it, I'm a senior in high school, and I should get to read scripture. And I said, yeah, okay, fine. So you can read scripture. And then Addie came to church last week, and I said, you know what? I want you to read scripture. And Addison's like, uh. Brandon says, and Kenneth said, yeah, she'll do it. And 
so uh, I, uh, I, I want to I just I, I want to do this for a reason, and I'm going to keep doing this. I think I'm just going to start asking kids to read scripture because I think one of the things that I want you all to be comfortable with is, is that this is your church family, and that we love you, and that this is a safe place. And if there's anything that we should be able to teach you, it's just that reading scripture is a holy and sacred act that we want to support you with. Uh, so we don't want you to worry about mispronouncing words because we all do it too. And we want you to feel safe in this place as you continue to grow in your faith. So it's a big deal for me that we keep doing this. And I just think it's rather ironic or coincidental, would be better, that I chose this passage of scripture back in May about the whole armor of God. Uh, this last week has been about putting on the whole armor of God in every aspect of my life from Monday until uh, yesterday afternoon. It's been, a, it's been a weird week, and coincidentally, I just picked it because it's, it's one of the lectionary texts. Um, for the last seven weeks, churches around the world have been reading the book of Ephesians, and this ends with the reading of Ephesians by saying just simply be strong in the Lord what follows is one of the most familiar portions of Christian scripture the armor of God in a time far removed from our own time with its sensibilities about violence and war and things military the writer speaks of the Christian life in metaphorical terms Regardless of when it was written, we find ourselves in a battle just as real and just as dangerous as that of any soldier in a time of war. By analogy, there are various uh, articles of combat apparel like a belt, a breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword, along with their spiritual counterparts, truth and righteousness, peace and faith. Salvation, the Spirit, the Word of God. All of this armor seems to lean into that part that Addison so aptly read, praying in the Spirit. This intercessory prayer is lifted up as the object of our armor to help us pray for all the saints. hard for us to understand this. When I chose this passage of scripture, I was thinking to myself of ways that when I was growing up, that this passage of scripture actually turned me to an understanding of my faith. How I had the opportunity to whoop the devil. Growing up, you know, you don't get to hear about Satan very often. We didn't talk about Satan. We just knew that Satan existed. The evil was everywhere you turned and Unfortunately, we heard all the cliches like when the lamp gets broken in the living room and mom and dad says, who did it? He says, well, the devil made me do it. But this is not that kind of scripture. I want to tell you a story about someone that understands what it meant to be a spiritual warrior. In 1522, in a small city in Spain, uh, a seven-year-old girl convinced her brother Rodrigo to run away with her. 
Her name was Teresa. And she is said to have the heart of a warrior. Now, she was intrigued by the tales of King Arthur, and she dreamed of being a knight, knowing that this would be impossible for her as a girl, she hatched a second plan. She talked to her brother into going in, going with her to be martyred by the Moors, who had recently been driven out of Spain into North Africa by King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. Now, fortunately, they were caught uh, by an uncle who found them outside the city walls on his way back into the city. Now, I understand that there's a, a nice little monument marking this spot where St. Teresa of Avila changed her mind. You see, she never became a knight or a soldier of any traditional kind. However, her biographers credit her warrior's heart for being an essential part of the work she went on to do. She is admired still to this day for her steadfast service, her writings, and for the founding of many Carmelite convents. Even so much so that it inspires the, the, the woman that we know of as Mother Teresa's parents to name her after St. Teresa of Avila, another warrior of love. As Christians, in our efforts to follow Jesus' teachings as closely as possible, we emphasize the need to love our enemies and do not like the violence we sometimes find in the Bible. Furthermore, in today's world, we have too often seen religion and violence mixed in ways that are obviously ungodly. That's why this New Testament passage for today makes some of us uncomfortable. Actually, I think it should make us uncomfortable. The other option to discomfort with the violent imagery of the armor of God is to hear terms like sword and shield as a poetic ancient language, to make it comfortable for people to hear far removed from the actual warfare. But there's a problem with this approach. It becomes lukewarm. It makes the battle that Paul is referring to here less important. Ephesians is, is a letter written to a church who lived in a pretty violent time. Many of its original readers would have, have seen and heard of the hor horrible and horrendous tragedies that the Roman Empire inflicted upon the Jews. And eventually, throughout time, where the Romans would destroy their only place of worship, their very eyes as they had to stand there helpless watching the place that meant so much to them disappear. Some in the church would have suffered persecution as Jews while others would have suffered it as Christians. So armor was a very present part of their lives. I imagine that if we were to change that imagery for today's world, it might sound something like this. Now remember, I'm just saying what it might sound like, not what it says in Greek. So therefore, take up the whole uniform of God, so that you may be able to withstand that evil day 
And having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore and fasten the gun belt of truth around your waist. Put on the bulletproof vest of righteousness as combat boots put on where whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the gas mask of faith which, with which you will be able to avoid the poison gas of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the semi-automatic weapon of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a little uncomfortable with the spirit of the word of God being compared to a gun. Yet it seems to me that this image used here can be just as deadly as what we hear church people saying today in the name of God. You know, when you're growing up, you're always told that you can get more bees with honey than you can vinegar. Not me, I hate honey. And I would rather have the vinegar because that's better for pulled pork. But the part here that's interesting for me is, is that as a church, as a culture, you find more people taking the opportunity to use the words of the world in order to describe the worlds of their faith. And that's not what is being read to us here. You see, in this conversation that Paul is having to have with the church in Ephesus, he recognizes there's a cosmic battle as well as a human one. A human one that is going to cause death and maiming and hurt and violence and fire. And the cosmic one, where the, the wounds are so deep, people will never, ever feel the presence of God again. And just think about that for a minute. Those moments that the church has used that double-edged sword right in between the teeth and cut away whole sloths of people. Why? Because the world has given them a new idea. That's not necessarily biblical. A lot of the language that we use is not godly language. And it's just as deadly. In these new days, we hear about people all over the world who are in refugee camps or fighting for their lives just to be able to, to breathe. And yet we truly do not understand this. But we have a lot of opinions on it. We have a lot of opinions about our faith. We can fight for the victims by trying to kill as many of their oppressors as possible. Still, there's something beyond people who are responsible for the evil there. We have a name for that evil spirit. The church has always called it Satan. Or evil. And evil does nothing but try to divide the church of God. Every time, every time we speak words that are not from God's mouth, it destroys a piece of humanity. But it's so easy. It feels so good. 
good. I mean, it starts off as an idea, right? And then it becomes an adrenaline rush. And then all of our actions become based on fear, all combining to create something beyond the individuals. It affects, and the evil in it is cosmic. I am tired of having to have the conversation of the Facebook experts. I'm tired of having to have the conversation about medical procedures when I did not go to medical school. I can talk to you about the Bible in five different languages, but none of that will change the opinions that we form based on the things that we see on the news. And we perpetuate it. You see, this armor of God allows us to be, on, be beyond those things of humanity. It gives us a response. It says it is not soldiers of blood and flesh who we are to fight. Instead, we are to use the truth this is the part. This is not the place to ask whose truth. You can do that on your Facebook journeys. In this place, the truth that we are referring to is the truth that Paul is preaching to the church in Ephesus in the name of God through Jesus Christ. It's in those words of truth to tell the real stories and to expose the evil. We are to live morally ourselves so that our words of truth will be meaningful. Now this is where it gets hard. We are to do whatever it takes to explain peace. Because <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, oh, by the way, while you're loving your neighbor as yourself, don't worry about your enemies. No, no. He literally says the opposite. What does he say? He says you're to what? Pray and love your enemies. Oh my goodness. In a world like today, if that's not the ultimate test of being covered in the armor of God, I don't know what is. We know war. doesn't leave us. So many of us were shocked to our very core listening to the news of Afghanistan. Remembering that after 9-11 there were so many of us that joined the military, not me, I tried. Something about having asthma and fake knee doesn't really help you. So many of us joined the military to, to go make a difference. That's the word for you. And then to watch the news. We, we know war, people. We've seen it not stop for over 20 years. We know war. We know what humans are capable of doing. In the short term, we want to take action, any action, 
And it's easy to look at biblical guidelines such as prayer or faith as doing nothing. I want you to hear me say that again. It's so easy for us to look at praying or having faith is that you're helpless, that you can't do anything. And I would argue that it's the most powerful thing that you can do. I could give you a sermon each on the concept, uh, complex concepts of righteousness and faith and salvation and the spirit and the word of God. <laughs> but I also know all of you will want to eat sometime today. So let's get to this meat of this sermon. Let's go with the concepts that we understand best. Let's contextualize truth and peace. It's telling the truth of God doing nothing. Think about that for a minute. Truth has a double-edged sword also. Was it nothing for the victims of sexual assault and domestic violence to tell the truth to someone and then for that someone to tell the truth to others? Many of the women who speak the truth in these situations literally risk their lives to do so, and even then some die. Yet, it is hearing the truth and naming the evil that is the first step to both personal healing and the transformation of societal attitudes. Because of this truth-telling and risk-taking, today laws exist to protect victims of abuse. There are safe places for them to go, and it's become socially unacceptable to engage in such behavior. As for peace, it's not a concept for the faint of heart. Even Gandhi believed that nothing could be done without, with a coward. Do you know that at the beginning of his movement, he believed that from a violent person could be made a nonviolent one? He actually encouraged to train the masses in nonviolent resistance. He suggested that they join the military first. That's how he started. He suggested they join the army, then come to him to be trained in nonviolence. He did not continue this practice as he became more separated from the powers of violence, but however, he knew that somewhere he needed this warrior's heart. Like St. Teresa of Avila, she saw the struggle much as Gandhi did. She even wrote, let the soul be manly and determined to fight and realize that there are no better weapons than those of the cross. She spent her life passionately dedicated to service for Christ and in so doing so, in, in, in so doing was both beloved and hated. She worked tirelessly until her death at the age of 67 when her warrior's heart failed. To Teresa, the concern was not the use of violent imagery. It was that if one did not feel the cosmic and personal war, one would become complacent. That's, I think, the curse of today's culture. Complacent with not living in the ways of Jesus Christ. 
For Teresa, the tools of war were not swords, but the willingness to act rather than to speak and throw platitudes. Peace is not a position of weakness or impotence. It requires courage and trust in God in ways that reliance on our own strength and our own weapons never could. I pray that as we continue to put on this whole armor of God and we walk from this place into the cosmic battle of humankind, realizing that there will be flaming arrows that come at us in every angle, that we recognize this imagery from Ephesians. And we become instruments of peace, love, and God's justice in the world. That's how you whoop the devil. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.